Let's read out of 1 Thessalonians 1, verse number 5. Paul said, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as we know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Paul is writing to uh, this group of individuals and he's saying to them, our gospel didn't come to you in word only, but there were other things, and he names them. And, and he said, and we also know, and, and, and I believe you know what manner of men we were among you. you. You We're confident that we came to you with the right motive. We came to you with the right desire. We came to you with nothing uh, that was hidden. It was transparent and open. And he was writing as though he knew already that they were aware of where he was coming from. So we're going to talk a little bit about the three factors of New Testament revival. I want to talk to you about these things today. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. There are many, many times in our lives as Christians that we, we fail to realize obvious truths. And I talked a little bit about obvious truths last week to, that, that often we overlook the obvious. Look at your neighbor and say, we overlook the obvious. Amen. Sometimes we overlook how hungry you can get when you fast three days. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you, if you fasted the beginning of this week, you know it's obvious. You get hungry when you fast. But last week, I, I was talking about we, we overlook obvious things. And, and I used the illustration about uh, hospitals and how just simply washing your hands can stave off disease in the intensive care unit and how the records and, and all of the stats show that now. It's obvious that just uh, sometimes we take for granted simply washing our hands, that those in the medical field can do that. But as Christians, and we tied it all the way back to, we can overlook sometimes the obvious things in our life, which which is prayer. Prayer should be obvious to all of us as a child of God that without prayer, I cannot survive in my walk with God. And so I, I can't overlook that and expect things to get better. I have to take time to pray. And when we talked about prayer and the necessity of coupling that with fasting and this first part of the week, we did that. And, and, and thank God for it. Great things are already happening as a result of all of those who have uh, stepped up and fill the role that you have to fill. So many times we overlook obvious truths that produce massive results in our life. Prayer produces massive results when we pray. The Bible says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man uh, does, does some good. It, uh, your, your Bible doesn't say that. What does it say? The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man or righteous person. What does it do? Availeth much. And so a lot comes out of that effort to pray. But we overlook that from time to time. And I want to, if I can today, point out three things, three factors. Everybody shout factors. 
call them truths, call them, label them, whatever you would like, but they're, they're, they are factors, they are truths that if we overlook them, we will find ourselves in a place of lack rather than a place of favor and abundance. Now, we, everybody shout we. I'm talking about the church. We, the church, uh, we're here today because of what transpired in the New Testament. We are here today because of what took place in the book of Acts and continued on into the epistles that we read. And there are amazing stories and testimonies, one right after another, that came out of the Acts of the Apostles. What they did produced amazing results because this isn't a book that was named something else when we're talking about acts we're talking about actions that took place so Jesus taught it Jesus exemplified it Jesus instructed it in the gospels and those that were following him they did not just sit back and say that was great teaching that was a great sermon I'm glad I was there and then just continue living the same way they had been living but when Jesus preached it and then he departed they took his teachings they took what he said and they put those things into action so we have the acts of the apostles and through that entire book Chapter after chapter, we read the testimonies of things that transpired because they took action. These things did not happen because they sat at home and did nothing with what they heard. So he taught them, and when we get to the chapters just a a couple after Acts 2, we find that they see a man who is sitting beside a beautiful gate, and the man is in need. They could have walked right by the man and say, I heard Jesus preach. He said it to them. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall. And he gave the instructions. They could have walked right past the man sitting at the gate, beautiful, knowing the message, but doing nothing with the message. But when they passed the man who was asking alms, the Scripture said, they looked at him and said, We don't have what you're asking for, but what we do have, we're happy to give it to you. And the man is healed because they took action in their life. Miracles do not happen unless you take action. Helping people, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, Matt and I, helping, serving, helping folks doesn't happen Unless you take action. You can't say, I'm a servant and do nothing. I belong to Him. I'm a Christ follower, but reflect nothing that He taught. Okay? It's played out in our lives. They said, we don't have that, but what we do have, we'll give it to you. And they ministered to the man, and the miracle happened in the guy's life. It's over and over and over these testimonies that come out of the book of Acts and continue on into those following epistles. And we, we, we read in all of this how the church grew exponentially because people were taking action in their life. The church did not grow by accident. It grew by action. Look at your neighbor and say, I believe that. So the church, just like that day, Today, 
will never grow. And I put it in the title because revival is a, is, is a hot button for many of us that know much about the church. Talk about revival and people get excited. Revival doesn't happen by accident. Revi- you, you don't just pray long enough and then there's revival. Well, I'm going to intercede until it happens. I've, I've interceded and pushed the plate back and felt like my stomach touched my backbone and prayed till I didn't have a voice left and next Sunday was no different than the Sunday before. Just because you pray doesn't mean you're going to have revival. Now, I don't think you can have it absent of that, but that's not the only thing that goes into this. There, takes, there has to be this mindset. You don't read in, in Acts and throughout uh, the epistles where they just stayed in their little secret place with the Lord and revival grew and massive things were happening in the kingdom. No, you read where, yes, they met for prayer. Yes, they prayed daily. Yes, they had fellowship. But the Bible goes on to say that they gave much alms unto the people. That there there were things that happened in their lives that caused the results that we read about here. And this is, this is I'm, I'm slowing down long enough to, to build this foundation so you can receive what I have to say. Churches were not established in the New Testament because people stayed at home and just said, well, God's going to do it. Well, it's going to happen one day. Well, if he really wants that to take place, then he'll, he'll... That's not what took place. In fact, when you start looking at this, Paul said to the Thessalonians, and I read it to you in our text today, he said, for our gospel came not unto you in word only. This is what we want to do. We want to say, I have the word. I know the word. I possess the word. I shared the word. So it's supposed to happen. And he said, the difference is, Paul said, when we came to you, it wasn't in word only. There's a lot of churches that miss that right there. And they're on this other side of it saying, well, God's going to do it one day. Let's just be faithful to the word. Let's just preach the word. And all of a sudden, we're going to have this massive revival. He said, we didn't come to you with word only. In other words... There are some things that if you, the factors, there are some truths. There are things that if you do not act on them, it will never happen in your life like it's supposed to. So I want to, if I can, tear down some of the walls that, that we build and ideas that we have and thoughts that we have that if I'll just be faithful long enough, if I'll just pray hard enough, if I'll just hold on to the Word long enough, then all of a sudden my family's coming in and my neighborhood's going to be saved and we will have experienced this massive revival. He said, when we came to you, it was not in Word only. I want you to get a hold of it today. And there's nothing wrong with the Word. I believe in it. We, we, we can't be saved without it. Amen. You, you're going to know the Word and the Word's going to make you... I, I know all those verses, but hear me out today. He wasn't discounting the Word. He didn't say, the Word is no good. You don't need the Word. Don't preach the Word. He said, we didn't come with that only. He said, yes, we brought the Word, but it wasn't alone. It wasn't by itself. 
we, and, and, and somehow we have to get this. And he points out that the word came, he said, also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. So he said, when we came to you acting on what we had been taught, we came to you with the word, we came to you with power, we came to you with the Holy Ghost, and we came to you with much Assurance. Somebody shout much assurance. See, when you come to a, a, a walk with the Lord and you are connected with the kind of church that He wants you to be connected with, you no longer live in doubt and unbelief and wonder and question because what comes with the Word is power, what comes with the Word is the Holy Ghost, and what comes with the Word is much assurance. So when they are not sure about it out there, they can't be. Quit faulting them. They haven't come to truth yet. But when you come to truth, there is much assurance that will come into your life that what you have is right. What you're doing is correct. What you have received has the power to literally change your life. So with the gospel, with the good news, comes much assurance. And I love that. I'm not living today with all these questions and fear and, 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 and anxiety. and what, Was this the truth? Is this the right church? Is that the right place? Is that the right message? All these people are telling me the wrong thing. Listen, when you get the truth, you forget about all that because I have assurance, hallelujah, of what I found in my life. I have assurance, amen, that came along with the Word that was introduced to me. Somebody shout amen. So, so many people are, 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 are thankful, I being one of the, anybody else thankful for what's happened in your life? Anybody else thankful for what God has done in your life? Thankful for the gospel that came to you? Thankful that for the power that you have in your life today? What you were overcome by in the past, I'm no longer overcome. Not just because, the, not just because I walk around holding my Bible every day, but there were things that came along with this. There were things that came with it. One of the things was power. Power. He said, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. He, power comes along with the Word. The Holy Ghost comes along with the Word. They said, we haven't even heard, we haven't even heard whether there be anything like that. He said, well, let me talk to you for a little while then. See, when you get all the way back, into the, into the book of John and uh, you start reading in the 7th chapter, you'll find out he was talking about people coming to him, things that was going to happen in their life, and he explained to them, this, this hasn't transpired yet, but it's going to transpire. It will happen, and we know as you read through the rest, you get in the book of Acts, oh, it happened. So now they have power. Now they have the Holy Ghost. And now they have assurance. Assurance. I, I can tell if people are truly allowing the full work of Calvary and the message, the gospel, the good news to take effect in their life by how they're living and the way they talk. If they live in fear and doubt and unbelief, then, then they haven't gotten everything that's available to them. You can live in assurance. You can live in the Holy Ghost. You can live with power in your life. Folks out there that do not know it, they can't claim the same thing you and I claim. 
We should be able to go to our jobs or talk to our families and let them know, I have power today that I didn't have in the past. I have something active in my life today that I did not have in the past. I have assurance today when I used to live in doubt and fear and wonder and question. No longer because I'm living in what He has promised me in His Word. Okay, so He said we didn't come. We didn't come to you in word only. And then he, he labels these things. He details these things. And, and I want to, if I can, just let you know that as the church, as the church, the people of God in the world today, we should strive, we should work diligently to make sure that these few specific things do not slip from us. And we're not just talking about things that happens on Sunday morning. There's a lot of folks that talk about church, and church for them is what happens for an hour and a half or two hours on Sunday. All right? I want you to get a hold of this today because I really think it can, it can help you. Here's the, first, here's the first factor. Here's the first truth that I believe is evident in the New Testament church and caused revival. If you want revival in your home, if you want revival in your family, if you want revival in your community, in your neighborhood, whatever it may be, start right here. Let's start with the first one. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5, Paul wrote this. He said, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom. Sometimes we, we fall off track with people quickly when we try to eloquently explain our experience to them. And we get so religious and, and we... I, 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 let me just share this with you. Years ago, probably, my wife could help me, but uh, maybe 22 years, 20, 21, 22 years ago, Lisa and I were starting a church and uh, we... We had a handful of folks. We were in a storefront, metal folding chairs. It was nothing impressive, but we were digging out of work for the Lord. And uh, we invited a, an evangelist to come, to come preach a revival for us. And so he was going to be there a number of nights. I, I don't remember now if it was Sunday through Wednesday or Wednesday through Sunday. And he was going to be preaching every service, every service. Now, this guy was well known within our organization. He preached at all these large churches, had all these great results and wonderful guy. Friend of mine, friend of mine, great guy, friend of mine to this day. He came and preached for us and nothing happened. All right? Nobody came to the altar. Nobody got the Holy Ghost. Nobody gave their life to the Lord. Nobody responded. It was horrible. And it was several services of horrible. Have you ever been in those kind of revivals? Listen, know that what you're thinking out here, pastor's thinking up there most of the time. So we're on the same page. I'm like, oh my God, why did I ever invite him to come preach? He's going to destroy what we have. And, but you know what the problem was? He was preaching and using terms and verbiage and names with people that the folks we're reaching had no clue what he was even talking about. But that's all he knew how to do because, and please understand this, he was a professional evangelist that was used to preaching in churches where everybody's saved. And probably had never won anybody to the Lord himself and sat down across the table and had to talk where people could understand what you were even saying. 
So sometimes people come and, and they're in our services and they're like, Pastor, you talk this way. Yes, yes. I'm not. It's not the well that needs a physician. It's the sick that need the physician. I'm not here to entertain. I'm not here to be here. Paul said, when I came to you, I could have talked a completely different language. I, I could have talked eloquently. I could have shared things. He said, but I made up in my mind when I got to where... See, revival doesn't just happen. He said, I didn't come to you with words that would impress you or somehow... Let me, let me finish the story so you don't think too bad of this guy and you don't even know him. At the end of the revival, we sat down and he opened his heart up and he said, I'm sorry. And I said, well, for what? I knew what, he, I knew what he should have been sorry for. I just didn't know if he knew what he should have been sorry for. It's like when you correct your kids. You know what, I'm, you know what they need to be sorry for, but you're just giving them a chance to see if they realize what they need to be sorry for. And if they don't, then you try to help them realize, well, that's good. Thank you for apologizing for that. I didn't know that. We'll take care of that next time. But now, let's, <laughs> let's, let's deal with what this situation is about. He said, man, I didn't know how to preach in your church. I said, really? And he said, yeah, I've never preached to just new people. He said, all I, all I've, all I know how to is preach in churches where everybody is saved. And he said, I, I, I learned something this week. Now, that guy went on and a couple years later, he took a small church and has grown it to hundreds and hundreds and has done great, but he preaches to people and where they're at now. Okay, so he said, when I came to you, I didn't come with excellency of speech or of wisdom to declare the whole testimony. He goes on. He goes on and says, for I determined. He, he took action. He made a decision. He said, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ. See, I don't have... I travel a lot. You guys know I preach out a lot. I don't go places and they tell me, let me, let me share everything about the church. Let me share everything about what's going on. I determine when I get there to know nothing but Jesus Christ. I want to make sure that I'm representing Him and not something else. There was, He said, I came to you to, to nothing but Him and Him crucified and I was with you in weakness. I don't know if I'm going to get to all this. We might have turned this into a series because I'm, I'm, I'm not even getting where I'm trying to go today, but I'm getting where God wants me to be. Amen. Anyway, he said, he said, I was with you in weakness. Come on, this is the Apostle Paul. This is the guy that sat at the feet of Gamaliel. This is the guy that had the name. This is the guy that had the friends. This is the guy that had the recognition, the notoriety, the appreciation. He had the authority. He had everything as much as anyone else in the New Testament. Paul had it. He was qualified. He was vetted. Everybody knew. They walked on pins and needles around him. And he said, when I came to you, I determined not to come with my reputation. I determined not to come with my name. I determined not to come with my knowledge. I determined not to come with all of my experience. I determined not to come there and say, well, this is the way it is. This is the way it ought to be. This is who I am. You ought to bow down to me. You better believe me. Just do it because I said do it. He said, I came to you on purpose 
in weakness. Come on, pride won't let you do that. Pride won't let you sit down with people and say, I don't know all the answers. Pride won't let you do that. But arrogance will cause you to stand in the pulpit and make everybody think that you are God Himself in flesh. He said, I determined to show up in weakness. Well, isn't that like the Lord? That's what He did. Paul's just saying, I wanted to be like Him. I didn't want to come with all this facade and all this stuff and who I'm... He said, I, I, just, I just wanted to come in weakness. I wanted, what was he saying? We use the word uh, often, but he, he, he said, I wanted to be transparent. I wanted to be approachable. I wanted to be real. You can't help people when you're not approachable. You cannot help people when you're not transparent. You cannot help people when you're not open. You have to be real. Somebody shout real. He said, I just wanted to be real. I wanted to be transparent. And he said, it's fear and much trembling. I came with a burden. I came realizing I'm frail, realizing I can't fix one thing. But so many times in our mind as Christians, we will feel like we've got it all made. We've got it all figured out. I can fix it. I can't. I may be the pastor, but I can't fix every situation. There are times that I sit with people and I'm just transparent with them. And I'm shaking as much inside as they are about their situation. Because I know unless God directs me, I cannot help the situation. He said, I came, I came in weakness and in fear. Awe of God. Realizing I'm not, I'm not the one that works it all out. He is. I can't cause people to think I'm the end all, save all, be all. It's Him. He said, I showed up there and this is what it was about. That It's about Him and Him crucified. And I was trembling and in fear and weakness. And my speech and my preach was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. He said, I came in the Spirit. I came with power there it is again we didn't show up just with word had to make sure that the spirit was there had to make sure that there was power evident to confirm the word that we were saying he said and it was not with enticing words of man's wisdom but in demonstration shout demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith I love this man He said that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. I'll be honest, sometimes as, as, as pastors, and I have a lot of friends of ministers, it's easy to get arrogant. Self-willed and uplifted, full of pride, because you have a lot of people looking to you. And you're always supposed to have the right answer. And always supposed... He said, he said, I wanted to make sure that your faith wasn't in me. That it wasn't standing in the wisdom of man. Oh, pastor's wonderful. Pastor has all the answers. Pastor's the one. He said, that's not, I didn't want the faith, your faith to stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Come on, folks. 
We can't build this church on my personality. We can't build this church on my charisma. We can't build this church because if we do it that way, if anything were to ever happen to me, it'll never survive that way. Your faith has to be in Him. Your faith has to be in Him. Your faith has to be in Him. It has to be in the power of God. It has to be what God can do in your life. How God can show up when pastor can't be in your home in the middle of the night and you're down kneeling by the couch and you can't get a hold of anybody else. You're not waiting on somebody else. Your faith is in Him. And you know when you lift your voice in prayer that that God that you're confident in will show up in your situation. He'll move into your life. He'll answer your prayer. He'll go to work in your situation. I thank God for the positive influences. I thank God for the men and women that have come in and out of my life, that have spoken into my life. I thank God for the pastors that I've had. But at the end of the day, my faith is in God. Men will let you down. Women will let you down. Friends will let you down. Family will let you down. Organizations will let you down. Churches will let you down. But He will never let you down. Let your faith be built on Him. The old song, On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Let your faith, let your faith. Thank God for the people that He puts in our lives. But at the end of the day, I'm trusting Him. My faith is in Him. He has never failed me. I feel the Holy Ghost here today. He has never failed me. He has never let me down. He has never bailed out on me. He has never run out. He's always been right there, faithful, consistent, constant, true. Amen. Get your faith in Him. He said, I didn't, if I come to you with enticing words, oh, I'm so impressed by, by the vocabulary. I'm so impressed by the wisdom. I'm so impressed by, he said, then you would always look to me as your answer. And when I face something as a frail human being that I couldn't figure out, then all of a sudden your confidence would be lost in the ministry and, hello, be lost in the person, would be lost, and people backslide and quit. Listen, if your faith is in God, it doesn't matter who comes or goes or who they are, how long they stay or what's going on in their life. Listen, all of us could share heartbreak. I could share heartbreak after heartbreak with you. I could give you testimonies of family and friends and loved ones and associates and, and colleagues that walk away from truth and fail in their walk with God and, and lose out morally. I can tell you those stories of nights that I've laid awake broken hearted over dear people in my life but I'm still here today because my faith was not in them my faith was in him and whoever it is people will fail you but God will never fail you make sure your faith is in him make sure your confidence is in him and Paul said if I would have come to you a different way you would be looking to me instead of him See, because here's the deal. I can't do anything supernatural. So that's why, you have, that's why you have to have these additional things with the Word. You have to have the power. You have to have the Holy Ghost. You have to have the assurance that a person cannot give you. Only God can. So, so when people start attacking your life, 
You say, well, you're just listening to that preacher down there. Well, you're just going to that church with all those fanatics. and You're just caught up drinking the Kool-Aid. You're just down. No, no, you missed it. I did not have power, but I do now. The preacher didn't give it to me. The church didn't give it to me. The denomination didn't give it to me. God gave it to me. So question what you want. Attack what you want. Stand against what you want. What I have came from Him. I have power today. I have the Holy Ghost today. I have assurance in my life today. It came from Him. It came from Him. So, people can't discourage you and lead you astray and cause you to backslide when it's built on Him. And when you have these things that go along with the Word. He said, we didn't come in Word only. But we brought these other things that came along is what brought the assurance to you. Yes, I'm in the right church. Yes, I'm believing the right message. Yes, I w- Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. You know what he was talking about? Here's, here's, let, me, let me just put it in one term, okay? Shout miraculous. Okay, so what he's talking about here is the miraculous. The miraculous was evident. You saw and experienced notable miracles. And once you've experienced it, nobody can take that away from you. Nobody can tell you now, oh, you were not sick. You didn't have any pain. That, that, the doctors really didn't. No, that's not what happened. You look at me and say, are you crazy? I was the one walking the floor all night. I was the one laying awake. I was the one dealing with the pain. Yes, yes. And when they prayed, something happened in my body. What I had before, I don't have now. Come on, Cece. You know I'm telling you the truth. Here's a man. they, They came to him and they said, weren't you blind? Yes, I was blind. What's going on? I don't know how to tell you anything other than this. I once was blind, now I see. (laughs) All I can say is before I came in contact with him, I had this issue. But once I met him, I don't have the issue anymore. I've been healed. The miraculous power of God is the factor. It's the first factor that we need, right? They have to see this, okay? Because it was the exact... It was the exact opposite. Jesus is going around doing miracles. Not because he was forced to do it, but because he chose to do miracles. And the reason he was doing the miracles, right, is so they would believe the word he was saying, right? So he would touch them, heal them, take care of their situation, and when he performed the miracle in their life, then they would garner enough faith and strength to say, okay, he's talking about turning the cheek and he's talking about blah, blah, blah. All right, I believe what he's saying. Why? Because they had a miracle in their life. All right? Now, the opposite of that is, today, I'm not God. So I can't do what he did. I can't just say, Megan, be healed. Now, here's what I wanted to tell you about the situation. And you're saying, I believe it, I believe it, I believe it because he just healed me. Today, it's the exact opposite. I have to preach the word, and he said these signs will follow. Miracles now confirm the word. All right? Because I'm not God. 
I can't just walk up and say, Cindy, no more sickness in your body. Now let me talk to you about the Word. And you say, I got it. I'm going to believe it now. So what I have to do now is preach the Word. And as you're receiving the Word, He comes in and He confirms the Word by performing a miracle in your life. So just like He had to have the miraculous before the Word came, Today, I have to have the Word, but I still need the miraculous to come in and confirm what we're saying. So yes, we're going to preach the Word. Yes, but we're not just going to do that only. So for the New Testament church to have revival, one of the factors is there must be an element of the miraculous. There has to be people that stand up and say, God healed me. God, God worked in my situation when it was completely impossible. God did it. And all of a sudden, the testimonies start getting out. People said, that happened at your church? That happened where? When? You're, you're talking about today. That, the doctor said, what? And now today, yes, that was God. God did that for my family. God answered my prayer. God came through for me. And they're like, that sounds interesting. You mean, you mean those still happen? Yes, miracles still happen. It's happening in the church right now. And so... The miraculous was a definite part of the New Testament church. I say we have to expect it. We must expect it. We need to begin to claim it. Instead of just giving up in your situation, start claiming your miracle. Why? Because it's a part of the church. If you're going to have revival, you've got to start claiming miracles. Even when it seems impossible. Even when it's far-fetched. Even when you think there's no way. But if he said it could happen, I'm claiming it. I'm going to start pursuing it. I'm going to believe God for it. my body's going to be healed. My mind's going to be touched. God is going to restore my family. Somebody in this place today, I'm going to say it in faith. You need a miracle here today, and I'm telling you, God wants to give it to you right now. God wants to give you a miracle in this place today. You're not in a denominal church. You're not in a church where they don't preach it. You're not in a church where they don't believe it. You're not around a bunch of folks that are going to think you're crazy. We're going to rejoice with you because we know there is nothing too hard for God. And the bigger the situation is, the greater the opportunity for our God to show who He really is. There is no struggle. There is no torment. There is no sickness. There is no disease. There is no pain. There is no struggle that God cannot answer your prayer today. Get your neighbor's hand. Let's pray for one another right now. I'm not in a hurry. I'm not in a hurry. You're not in a hurry. There needs to be miracles in this house. There needs to be miracles in your family. There needs to be miracles in your home. You ought to speak it out right now in the name of Jesus. Whatever the prayer is, whatever it is, Whatever you're believing God for it, maybe it's a healing in your body. Maybe it's a touch in your mind. Maybe it's a miracle that you're trusting God for. In the name of Jesus, for years you've been fighting it. For years you've been dealing with it. For years you've been struggling with it. And I'm telling you today in the Holy Ghost, God wants to perform it. God wants to perform it. God wants to perform it. It's in the church today, the miracle working power of God. Expect it. Claim it. Stand on it. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to walk in. Anybody else want to walk in the miraculous? It it didn't happen in chapter 1. But the more they began to exercise, the more they began to exercise this, The Bible tells us later chapters that literally the shadow 
the shadow of the man of God. You see my shadow out there. They would lay people on the street. And as they walked by, the shadow of them touching miracles beginning to happen. God... Help us to get to the place where there is demonstration around us all the time that it's not just a church event. It's not just a Sunday experience. But wherever we're going, we're walking with Him. And as a result of His Word that is in our life, the miraculous is happening around us. Things are happening that we cannot explain. And people are saying, when I get around you, I feel something. When I get around you, something happens to me. And we can say that's not me but it's the one that lives in me it's Christ in me the hope of glory hallelujah somebody hear me today miraculous things need to happen in our lives and we should pursue these and walk in them and do everything in our power to see that it happens don't doubt what God can do in your situation I said don't doubt what God can do in your situation Miracles are always available. Hallelujah. And they are a viable possibility for the child of God. I don't, I, I, I was raised by parents who walked in the Spirit, claimed the miraculous, saw it happen constantly. It was a continual thing in my upbringing. So for me, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to give God the first shot at this thing. <laughs> I never remember a time growing up where my parents said, Oh, you're not feeling good. Let's go to the doctor and then we'll pray about it. <laughs> oh, you had that accident? Let's go get some stitches and then we'll pray about it. Oh, somebody hurt your feeling? We're going to go right down to that school. We're going to talk to them. We're going to get those parents on the line. And we're going to work this out and then we're going to go pray about it. No. It didn't matter what happened. The first thing that happened <laughs> was my mom and dad had their hands on my head in the name of Jesus. Before we talked to anybody, visited anybody, went to the medicine cabinet, they prayed. What were they doing? They were giving God the opportunity to work it out like only He can before we stepped in and started doing it on our own. That's the kind. I'm not saying those things are wrong. I'm not saying go visit. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying if you'd give God more of an opportunity, it'd probably blow your mind how many times He'd show up and do a miracle in your situation before you had to go work it out on your own. He is a prayer answering God, and He will do the miraculous among us. But we don't always give Him the chance. We take matters into our own hands and we just work it out and fix it. And then when it's all said and done, we'll say, hey God, let me talk to you about this. And he's like, why talk to me now? If you would have given me the opportunity, I would have worked on the front end and now you'd have a testimony instead of an excuse. I want a, I want a testimony. I want to tell people how good God is in 2019. How God still answers prayer now. How God still works things out now. Why not start with God? Look at your neighbor and say, start with God. Start with God. Give Him the first shot. Amen. I want to see the hands of those that would...
Pastor, I know what miracles are about because I am one. I'm a living miracle. God has answered prayer. God has worked in my life. God has moved in my... That's part of the New Testament church. It's a factor in the New Testament church. And if we are going to be that kind of church, then we have to walk in the miraculous. Let's stand together. I'm not even going to two or three. I'll try next week. We're just going to stop right there.